Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me to the 13th chapter of John. Hallelujah. John chapter 13. Now, hold your place here and go to the 16th chapter of Mark. Mark 16. And he said to them, verse 15, go into all the world and preach, proclaim, declare, herald the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Glory to God. This is called the Great Commission. And this is where Jesus sent the church out. Now he was talking to the apostles and those who were with them after he had been raised from the dead before he ascended into heaven. But we know that this not just, doesn't just apply to them, it applies to all believers. Because it says these signs shall follow them that believe. All believers are sent. Amen. Now go back to uh, John. What did I say? John 13? John 13. <clears throat> Verse 20. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomsoever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Now we all know that God the Father sent Jesus. He was sent by the, by the Father. We know that Jesus being sent by the Father and being given the words of the Father, he was the Father's representative. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, here, he said, assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomsoever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. See, we don't struggle with that part. We don't struggle with the part that whoever receives Jesus receives him who sent him, the Father. But what about this other part? <clears throat> he said, whoever receives, he who receives whoever I send receives me. Now understand how, how I'm about to say this. 
But in, in one sense, you could say, he who has seen us has seen Jesus. You've heard it said, the church is the only Jesus the world will ever see. How many times have you heard that? Have you heard that before? It's a nice refrigerator saying. But wouldn't that say the same thing? Whoever receives whom I, he, he who sends whomever I, he who receives whomever I send receives me. We as the church have to get to the place where, where we actually see this truth that we have the same standing here in this earth that the Lord Jesus had when he was here. Now, we're not divine. We're not God. I don't mean that. But as the Father sent him, he sends us. Isn't that right? Go to the 17th chapter of John. 17th chapter, verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Now he was, he was talking about the, the disciples, but he was talking about us. Because this is his high priestly prayer. And in one place he said, I'm not just praying for these alone. But I'm praying for those who will believe what they've what their testimony. Where's that found, Steve? Huh? Verse 20, yeah. I do not pray for these alone. Yeah, right there after that. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. As you, Father, sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. We've been sent into the world. Not everybody is called to go to a faraway place, but we're all called to go into all the world. I like to say it like this, go into all the world that you're involved in. If you're a school teacher, go into all the world of education and teaching. If you're a nurse, go into all the hospital world. Amen. If you're, a, if you're a construction worker, go into the world of, of building and construction. Go into that world. Take Jesus to that world. Like I said, we, we have to, it has to, it has to somehow register on us in a greater way that we represent Jesus That, that, we, that we've been given the same commission he was given. As Father, as you sent me into the world, even so I send them into the world. Most Christians accept the idea up here in their noggin, you know, in their head, that we represent Jesus. And we're supposed to represent him everywhere we go. But how do we represent him? 
Well, we're supposed to represent him the same way he represented himself. We're supposed to do what he did. Amen. For us to do that, we must have the same place before the Father that Jesus had. If he doesn't see us like he saw Jesus, if he doesn't recognize that Jesus has, if you could say it this way, if, he, if, he doesn't, if God doesn't recognize that Jesus has passed the baton, is it baton or baton? Baton, taban. If, if, if the father doesn't recognize that he has passed the baton to us, then we're not, something's missing. But Jesus said this on the instructions of the father. This is the father's plan. It was always his plan that he would send his son into the world but then that he would raise up a church made up of individual believers who were born again into union with Christ and that we would go out in the same way that Jesus went out. It was always in the plan of God. The Bible says God planned the church before the foundation of the world. Before Adam ever sinned. God intended to send the world, the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, through the church. He intended to send to this world the Lord Jesus Christ through the church. That was his plan. Now, only one person, the Lord Jesus Christ, only one man could be the Savior. But now that that work has been done, we are... We, by virtue of being born again. See, we didn't just get religion. We didn't just accept a philosophy. Something happened on the inside. When we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, a miracle of recreation took place on the inside and we became new men in Christ. We've been sent, church, we have the same standing with the Father this very hour that Jesus himself had in the flesh when he was here. Every one of us. Now we, we, have, to, we have to let that sink in. How many of us can say that we get up every day and we go about our day conscious of the fact that we are a walking, living representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we've been authorized. And not only authorized, but empowered. It's two different things. He gave us the authority to use his name. To act, in his, to act in his stead. To use his name as though he were here. To do what he would do if he was here. 
He's also given us the Holy Spirit. We've been anointed with the same Holy Spirit that he was anointed with. And we've been sent. How many of us go about our day honestly with that kind of an understanding? I can tell you, I don't. Not the way I should. That's just, that's just the truth. I see it in a measure. I'm seeing it more. But I know I, I, know I don't have, I, I know that hasn't dawned on me, you know, that expression. I know it hasn't registered on me in, in, in the fullness of how God intended the consciousness he's, that I'm supposed to have. I know I, I haven't fully seen that. I see it dimly. I see a, 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 a slight image of it. Glory to God. We've been sent. Go to the 16th chapter of John. Verse 25. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you in figurative language. But the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. And in that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you. What a statement. He's saying, I, I'm, I'm speaking things on a level that you can understand it right now, but the time is coming when I will plainly tell you about the Father. I'll be able to plainly explain to you. And he said, well, well when, when is that? It's in that day. Well, that day's this day. That day's this day. Now notice what he says. He said, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from, the, from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Now when he said this, he was tying this back to something he had said earlier in the same chapter. In verse number seven, he said, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. He said, he was saying, you're not going to be able to enter into the fullness of what I have for you unless I leave. Because unless I leave and go to the Father, the helper will not come to you. But if I do, but if I leave, 
I'll send, I'll send the helper. What has that got to do with what we just read? He said, in that day, I will tell you plainly of the Father. Well, he sent the Holy Spirit so that he could plainly talk to us, so that he could plainly tell us of the Father. Now go back up to seven. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Let's look at then at verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. That's, that's what he was talking about. In that day, I will tell you plainly of the Father. He said, you, you're not in a place where you can understand and, 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 and receive it. You can't bear it. It's an interesting expression. There are things I can't tell you because you can't bear them. He didn't say you couldn't understand it. And I'm sure that's probably included in that. He said you can't bear it. It's too great for you. You can't bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth is gone, he's telling us now we can bear it. Now we can bear it. Now we can. We can hear those things plainly of the Father. He can speak plainly to the spirit of God is but he's speaking plainly, but we, we've not been listening plainly. We've been listening religiously. I'm talking about the church. The church has been listening with this idea. Well, you know, we can't receive much because we're just, you know, we're just sinners saved by grace and we don't know much and we don't have much and we can't do much and, 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 and we're unworthy and, and we don't know. As long as the church continues to stay in that mindset, you you. you we're canceling out what the Spirit's trying to say. As long as we want to live like the children of Israel who said, oh, don't, don't let God speak to us again. Moses, let him speak to you. Don't let him speak to us. We can't stand it. That's essentially what the church has done. You, you have to, we have to accept what belongs to us. We have to accept who we are. We have, to, we have to accept what God has done in us. We are not just sinners saved by grace. We were sinners, but we were saved by grace. Now we're Christians. It's almost universally accepted. Well, you know, we're all sinners. You hear it all the time but from Christians. Well, if we're all sinners, then, then the work of Christ was in vain. We're not sinners. We're believers. We're new creations in Christ. So stop sinning. Amen, that's not who we are. That's not who you are. 
We were delivered from sin. When we were made new creations in Christ Jesus, the Romans 6 says, having been set free from sin. We've been set free from it. And having been set free from sin, he said, we have become slaves of righteousness. Stop looking at yourself as a slave to habits, as a slave to the past, and hiding behind that feeble lie. Well, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a, 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 a poor sinner saved by grace, and you know, we, we can't, you know, I'm not perfect. Well, as long as you want to boast in your failures and take ownership of your imperfections, you'll stay that way. Yeah. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You weren't created for sin. You weren't created for failure. You weren't created for fear. You weren't created to live in depression. You weren't created to live bipolar. Crazy half the time. You weren't created to have personality problems, emotional problems, and give in to them and make excuses for them and, or make excuses for your family. Well, you know, they have this. Take the name of Jesus and break the power over that. Amen. We need to stop making excuses and and. Take ownership of what God has done for us in Christ. And realize that we have, God raised us up and he has put us in right standing with himself. Legally, legally we have, we are in right standing with God. If you've been born again, you have been made right. You've, put it, you've been put in right standing. You've been given a, a place of sonship. We're not slaves of God. We're children of God. And if children, then heirs of God. And joint heirs with Jesus. Joint heirs. Joint heirs. Everything he has, we have. Everything he was authorized to do, we've been authorized to do. I mean, we're not authorized to go to the cross. You understand what I'm saying? But as far as ministry, everything he was authorized to do, we were, we're authorized to do. We have the same place, the same standing before the Father that Jesus had. He, he gave us new life, recreated us, justified us, made us righteous, raised us up together with Christ, seated us with him at his right hand in Christ. And he, and he says, I, Jesus said, the father loves you just as much as he loves me. And when you go out and speak, it's like me speaking. He who hears you, hears me. How poorly Sometimes have we represented the Lord? How weak 
our representation of the Lord sometimes is. How far below the dignity, the authority, and the power of the Lord do we sometimes speak? We, the church, has, has to come to the understanding that as he is, so are we in this world. That's what it says, First John. For as he is, so are we in this world. Like I've said before, Jesus is no longer in this world, but we are. It's, it's his intention, it's the Father's intention that the presence of Christ in this world be as, as great now as it was when Jesus was here and even greater. Because he was just one, he was confined to one physical body. If he was, if he, if he was in Capernaum, he wasn't in Bethlehem. He could only be at one place at one time. But it was God's plan that the person of Jesus be as real in this world now as he ever was. That's why the scripture says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, that, that scripture wouldn't make a bit of difference. It wouldn't even make sense. It would be meaningless if he left here and took his grace and power and authority and ability and calling and virtue and, and, and most everything he, he had except being nice and took it to heaven, that scripture wouldn't mean a thing. He is the same today. That means here. Yesterday, we know when that was. Today and forever. He is the same. That means he's the same through us. And if he's not the same through us, if, if in fact he's not the same through us, then he's not the same. But scripture says he is the same. So the truth stands. The truth stands. Truth of who we are. What we have stands. Now it's time for us to rise up to that level. Stop living as natural men. Mere unsaved men. Mere unchanged men. Stop living that way. Stop living like mere unchanged housewives. Mere unchanged mothers. Mere unchanged fathers. Mere unchanged teenagers. Stop living like that. Stop living like mere, uh, just like everybody else. We're called to live different. The church has been pushing this narrative for quite a few years now. Try to look and, as, and act as much like the world as you possibly can and that will win them. That's never won this world. Amen. We're called to walk differently. To walk in the glory of God. In this chapter we read, the 12th chapter, he said, the glory that you gave me, I've given them. 
Now, it takes all of us collectively to fully represent Christ. I know that. You're not going to by yourself ever have the impact on this world that that man had, the Lord Jesus Christ, and neither am I. But we all have our part to play. Amen. Amen. And all of us together, Ephesians 1 says that the church is the fullness of Christ. We are the fullness of him. It takes every one of us. But it doesn't take, it, it, it takes every one of us walking in a full understanding as we're able to grasp it. We're growing in these things. But it takes every one of us walking in the full measure of what we have, not two-thirds of us acting like spiritual clowns. Acting like just ordinary people. Acting like this world. Acting like we don't know who we are. Trying to act humble. So many people in the Christian world, they, they just try to act humble. And I'm sure in heaven it sounds just like a, the most ridiculous sounding thing. To hear Christians say, well, you know, I, you know. I don't know, I don't want much in this life. You know, I can't do much. And, you know, I'm just a, I, I'm just a weak person. Heaven must. That's, no, that's not the way we were created. Take our place. Hallelujah. We are, Romans says, we are to reign as kings in life. Reign as kings in life through one man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that means to reign through him, through his name. Because we've, given, we've been given, the one thing we've been given that truly is our badge of authority, the shield of authority we have is that name. The enemy won't bow before you, sickness won't bow its knee on the basis of your good works. But sickness will bow its knee at that name. So you, you've, you've, you're authorized. You're authorized. There, there, is a, there is a level of faith where when you're, when you're learning about faith, there's a stage where you go through the struggle for faith. You know you're supposed to believe a truth, but it doesn't seem real to you. And so you begin to confess it, you begin to meditate, and it just doesn't seem real. And you try to step out and act on it, and nothing happens, and there's a, and there's, there's a consciousness of, I'm just not believing it enough. It's interesting that Jesus, in not one reference to the use of his name, did he ever mention faith. It's not one mention. He mentioned faith concerning prayer. He talked about people who didn't believe and didn't receive their healing because of unbelief. But in not one statement where Jesus ever told the church to use his name, not one time did he even mention faith. 
Now that doesn't mean we don't have faith because we do. The book of Acts says his name by faith in his name. We do exercise faith. But what I'm saying is there's a level of faith where it's, it's, it's unconscious. Where you're not struggling to exercise faith. Because you just know it's yours. And the illustration I've used is when you write it, if, if you've got money in the bank, you write a check, a local check, somebody in, in business around here, you don't try to exercise faith. You know the money's on deposit. You, you know that check is good. You know it's not gonna bounce. You write that check with absolute confidence. You don't even give a thought. You just do it. There's a, there's a level of faith that we get to where the struggle is over because we are so assured of what we have that we use the name of Jesus just like you, you stick your keys in, well, used to. Now you just have them in your purse and you walk up to the door and push the button. The door unlocks. Push a button in the car cranks. Isn't that right? But you do that because the key's in your, in your purse or in your, in your pocket. Isn't that right? Without the key, nothing's going to happen. But because you, you, you have the key, you know when you push that button, it's going to crank. You do it. With, you, don't, you don't sit there for a minute and try to build yourself up. Kind of psych yourself up to push that button. Oh, glory to God, Shandai. <laughs> oh, Lord. No, you just, why? Because you know that's how it works. Could it, we, 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 there's a place of faith in the name of Jesus where you just speak it and you know it, it works, it's yours. Amen. We're to reign in life with the name of Jesus. Now, just because some people, a few ministers, a few well-known preachers have taken that to the extreme and are living excessively opulent lifestyles. That's what some people believe reigning as a king means. It means just having the, the, you know, the biggest jet and, and 13 of the most lavish automobiles you can have and, the, and, and, and a house that you can't even visit on a regular basis. There's so many rooms in it. You know what I'm talking about? Just because some people have perverted the truth and, and believe that reigning in life just means to take everything for yourself. That's not what Jesus was talking about. No, God, you can have anything you need in this life and you can have anything you want. But right at the same time, we're not supposed to want everything. Come on now. The same Bible that says whatsoever things you desire also said do not love the world nor the things in the world. Did it not? Did not Jesus who said whatever you ask the Father he'll give you, did he not also say do not love money? You can't love God and money. He said them both. You can't, you can't just take part of what he said. He said that. 
He said you cannot serve God in money. I'm not talking about, so a lot of people think reigning in life means to, whoo, man, it's all about me. Just see how many rings I can have and how much, how lavish I can live. That's not what, reigning in life as a king is taking the name of Jesus and walking in power and demonstration and saying, no, you don't, devil. You're not putting that on me. You're not putting poverty on me. You're not putting lack on me. You're not putting sickness on me. I'm not gonna be afraid. I'm not gonna be defeated. My family's not going to hell. My finances aren't going under. My business isn't going to fail. I'm going to succeed in everything that God's called me to do and do it in style. But not like an idiot. Come on now. There's some people out there that act like idiots. You see them. God, God wants us to reign in life. Now, I know some people sitting there and they're scratching their heads. Well, you know, how much is too much? <laughs> I'm fully aware that, it, that to one person, what it means to have too much or is beyond what they can think and what they think is excessive is not what somebody else thinks is excessive. I understand that. I'll say this, God, God is not embarrassed over what you have. You don't have anything compared to heaven. And these televangelists in their fancy jets is not impressive to God. He travels at the speed of light in a chariot of fire. <laughs> Leaves your little citation nine in the dust. So he's not impressed with that, nor is he embarrassed about it. Whenever you have good things. What I'm saying is, it's, it's not on his end. It's not on his end. He, there's not a governor on us. But we are supposed to seek first the kingdom of God. He told us to have enough sense and to have, a, and to have set priorities in our lives. He expects us to have enough wisdom to do that. So that there is a balance in our lives. How much we have and what we're doing with what we have. See, we should be doing something with everything he's given us. We should reign in life. We should have, we should have everything that we need and even our, even our heart's desire. But our hearts shouldn't have a desire that is beyond what is useful for God. Amen. Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. What I'm preaching won't be popular everywhere. <laughs> Tell you that. But it's the truth. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I don't think anybody in this room is in danger of being too prosperous. I guarantee you no one in this room is even close to what you can have. And God would be pleased for you to have it and more. 
okay? But we all know when someone's lost their minds. We all know when someone has become uh, unbalanced. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I'm trying to be nice here. I, I want to, we're, we're, we're getting ready to build a house. It's going to be a nice house. I've had nice houses, but this will be the nicest house. So I'm not ashamed of that. Have nice cars. And we'll have nice cars in the future. And God's not ashamed of that, and I'm not either. And you shouldn't be either. You shouldn't be ashamed in my house. But I know what is reasonable. I know what's reasonable. And I know what I can use for the glory of God. And my main objective is not how much money I can store up to spend on myself. Oh yeah, I want to be taken care of. I want to have, I want to have nice stuff. But I want, to, I want more than that. I want more than, I want money to give away. When my wife and I, she can tell you, every time on Sunday morning, every time we pray over our offering, every single time, we pray, Lord, we thank you that we'll always have plenty to give and plenty to live on. We always put giving first. Every, plenty to give and plenty to live on. Glory to God. There's nothing, I don't know how I got off on giving. There's nothing in this world that's more liberating than being generous. There's something about being generous that will keep your priorities right. Yeah. Something about, about being a giver and being generous in your giving that will keep you straight. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> My wife's sitting there saying, go ahead, say it, say it, say it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now we're to reign in life. Take the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Live the overcoming victorious life, a free life, a life of dominion a life of authority, a life of power, a life of victory, a life of testimony where you look and talk like Jesus lives in your heart. Live and talk like he's alive in you. Glory to God. Where you're not afraid of anything. Told somebody not long ago, it's been so long since I've been afraid of anything, I almost don't remember what it was like to be afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of anything. The love of God has driven fear out of my life. I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid of tomorrow. Not afraid of today. I'm not afraid of the devil. I'm not afraid of circumstances. There's something liberating about having your priorities right. When your priorities right, you know God is going to take care of you. 
that when you speak, he'll back it up. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I think I'm, I've said enough. Glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.